2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 is the passage we're using for this whole series. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You ought to see renewal in your life. You ought to be seeing newness and God moving and doing renewal and doing new things. And I know that's not instant. And I know that's not always easy to see. We talked about that where the scripture says, hey, perceive it. Do you not see it? You got to pay attention to it. But we went through January and we had this prayer and fasting series. And, and if we're not careful, like I said last week, we can go into 21 days of prayer and fasting and we can just kind of call it this season that we do and then pack it up and put it away with our Christmas decorations because your Christmas decorations should be put away by now. We'll get to the rest of you later, but if we're not careful, we just put all that away and say, well, that was it. We did 21 days and we did our guides and we did our study, but really the fruit of coming out of that should be this. If we were found in Christ in January and our, as we pursued him, we ought to begin to see things be different. Old pass away, newness, renewal. Are you with me today? I ended the sermon last week uh, with this passage here, Psalm 51 verse 10 in the English standard version. My final point was this, that renewal should be daily. I didn't say weekly, not just on Sunday, not just Sunday morning where we come in and get our renewal to get us through the week. Like renewal is daily. And the scripture says right here, it says, create in me a clean heart. One translation of that is fresh heart. Create in me a fresh heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The reason that we need a fresh heart or a clean heart or a new heart in us daily is because it's easy to keep the prejudice in us from the day before. Prejudice just simply means prejudgments. You've prejudged something. And so you can get up on Tuesday and be like, oh, it's going to be like Monday. And because you haven't asked for a fresh heart, you're carrying in Monday, you're carrying in your prejudice toward your kids, your spouse, your boss, your communities, your government. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? And every day we got to get up and say, wait a minute, no, Lord, renewal is what you do. And I want you to do it in me. And I want you to make me new. And so create in me this fresh heart. Jim Harbaugh, of course, the coach who left Michigan is at Los Angeles Chargers. That's fine. Good for him. <laughs> but he had this saying that he always said in, in um, Jim Harbaugh kind of always drives me crazy because I used to get really jealous of other coaches because they would sound like really, really intelligent. And then Jim Harbaugh is just like this football guy. And so they would ask Urban Meyer or some of the other coaches about, hey, how's your team looking out there? How was practice? And they sound like, you know, scientists. They're like, well, the X slot, Y, Z, double back 42A is all working. And it's all this football terminology. You're like, whoa. And Jim Harbaugh, they're like, hey, how's how's the team looking this week? How's prep going? He's like, well, we moved our feet. And uh, I like like our hands today and, and our eyes. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And so someone did this to him. He's got this saying that he said at Michigan, and now he's saying it with the Chargers. They ask him how he's going to coach the team and lead, lead through this transition. He says, well, we're going to attack every single day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. And someone, just like I do, thought back to him, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so they asked him, can you elaborate on that? What does that mean? He said, well, every single day we have an opportunity to take more ground and to do more and walk in the new and harvest what's out there for us. He's essentially saying, we're not going to go through the motions. We're not just going to live cliche. We're going to get after it every day. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Even coach Harbaugh understood, like, if you want to take ground, you got to see every day as fresh opportunity to grow. Yeah. 
Now, everybody in this room would be like, I want to grow. I want to grow in the things of God. I want to go to the next level. I want to do more. I want to see more. But here's the reality about growth. Growth without change is impossible. You can't grow without changing. So many businesses die because they were so unwilling to change that they were never able to grow. We got to be a people who say, okay, God, whatever it looks like, do renewal in me. Make me new, grow me, even if it means change, let's keep growing in the things of God. Uh, That's why the scripture says we go from glory to glory, faith to faith. There is no like, hey, guess what? You've walked with the Lord for 25 years. Here's your badge. You're like, everybody, look, I arrived in the kingdom. I've leveled all the way up. No, the scripture says we go from glory to glory. You never fully arrive at all of it because God has always taken you into more. I told you I would bring you a really annoying illustration. Annoying because that's what Cody called it. But I got this video here that I want to show you demonstrates how God takes us from glory to glory. There are times that we think, nope, this is it. I've made it. I've made it to my platform in God. This is as, as far I've, I've made it. all. Through. And then God takes us deeper. And then we go, well, then surely this is it. I've done another 21 days of prayer and fasting. I don't need renewal anymore. I've learned it all. And then God takes us deeper. Check out this video. This is what it's like to go from glory to glory. Are you annoyed yet? Just hold on. There's only six more minutes. Like God, I've served and I gave my time and I gave that one special offering. I've arrived. And God's like, how about more? It's like, no, God, you don't understand. Like I went to that women's event and three years in a row. And then God's like, how about more? Who's ready for me to turn it off? We go from glory to glory. You can turn it off. We keep going from glory to glory. Every time we think we've arrived in God, he's like, hey, wait, watch this. You know what I'm talking about? God grows us and he grows us. And that's part of this renewal is is we think, no, I know all that there is. I've, I've done it all the ways it needs to be done. And God's like, well, wait a minute. What about this? Let's zoom in on this. Are you with me today? Renewal's a good thing. Title of my sermon this morning as I talk about renewal, is I want to talk about a renewed heart for the hurting. A renewed heart for the hurting. If we're not careful, especially during an election season, (laughs) you can grow cold to people who don't think like you. And you let your heart get stuck and stagnant and stiff and there's all these hurting people out there who don't think like you and live like you and walk like you and you let yourself get so rigid that we're never going to be effective in the harvest that God's called us to. So I believe we, one of our main prayers all the time when we say, God, we want to see renewal. We want to see you do something new. We need renewal in our heart to those that are hurting. Can I get an amen today? We're going to take a look, just three points out of the story of the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Says Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by him on the other side. Because every person in this room has a side. Some are on this side, some are on this side. Every person has a side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn and gave them, 
gave him to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus now asking, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, this is a parable. This is a made-up story by Jesus. And the reason that he made up a story like this was to teach them a lesson, but also to teach you the very same lesson today, 2,000 years later, of when somebody's hurting and they're on the other side of what you believe, it's still your call of Jesus to go and do likewise, which is to help the hurting. Are you with me today? Well, no, they're on the other side. No, no, they believe that and they think that. And they put themselves in that situation. We don't know what they did to get there, but that's their problem. I have my journey to take. And Jesus said, no, the person who had pity on them and compassion for them and got down where they were, those are the ones that we're supposed to be like. Are you with me today? This story here is actually the picture of humanity. It's somebody who was going along their journey, got jumped and robbed, and the enemy tried to steal their destiny. This is a person whose destiny was attempted to be stolen. Can I tell you, the scripture tells us that there's an enemy who's roaring like a lion looking to steal the destiny of everybody on planet earth. But what does the scripture say in John 10, 10? It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it how? To the full. Have it to the full. Jesus said, I've come to have life and have it to the full, but then he's also gone on to say, guess what you are? You are imitators of God. You got to think about this. You're imitators. One passage says that you're co-labors with God. So if the enemy seeks out to destroy, steal, kill, and destroy, ruin destinies, and God says, I've come to bring life and restoration, and he calls you a co-laborer and an imitator of that, guess what your assignment is to do? Show up to those that have been beaten, thieved, robbed, and destinies thwarted. We get to show up alongside of them and say, hey, I've come in the name of God to see restoration in your life. And we can't do it if we have hardened hearts toward the hurting. Are you with me today? That's why we say this all the time. The enemy is working so hard right now to get us to hate the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That I believe that passage is still in play today. And so you turn on the news and you go on social media and you look at this agenda is being taught in schools and this is being said on this platform and this talk show and all these people are saying all of their different agendas and we look on at all of these messed up things and hatred begins to rise in us toward those people. Why? Because if the enemy can get us to hate the harvest, we'll never get the harvest. We need a renewal in our heart for them. Are you with me? I wrote it down like this. The enemy is not the unbeliever. We are in a culture right now that, 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 that we get so tense for standing up for God. I'm going to tell the truth. We got to say it like it is. And we make the unbeliever the person that we're going after. I mean, no, the scripture says that it's the spiritual things. It's the things in wickedly placed, heavenly realms that we battle with. It's not flesh and blood. Are you with me today? God's solution to the world's problem has always been the body of Christ. Us, the church, the believers, we get to get in and come alongside those on the side of the road and help. I thought about it like this. God's solution wasn't like just some angel. Oh man, this guy got jumped and he got robbed and he got left for dead and his destiny was punched in the gut. And I can't believe this was happening. We better shine a bright light and send an angel. 
No, the scripture says that he sent what? A common passerby. I don't know what kind of passerby you are in your lunchroom or your schoolroom or uh, in your businesses or wherever God has put you. But can I tell you something? If we just wait around for the angel to show up and do all the work and Billy Graham to show up and do all the work, maybe it's the passerby. Are you with me today? That's why we need a renewed heart for those that are hurting. Heaven is our destination, but we have earthly purpose here and now. Can I get an amen today? It was 2 Corinthians 5.20 where we got the passage that says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. God's making his appeal through the way that you live in your schools, your workrooms, your environments, your communities, your neighborhoods. You are God's ambassadors. Are you with me? Three points. Point number one is this. People deserve our care, not our critique. People deserve our care, not our critique. I think if it was us or if it was nowadays, we would have walked up on this dude beat up in the ditch on the side of the road and we would have went up and we'd have been like, oh, you guys see this guy? Dude, he is hit. Look at it. Let's go Facebook Live. People got to see this. And everybody be resharing how beat up this dude is. Wonder what he did. Wonder what happened. Oh, he probably put himself in this situation. And the Good Samaritan didn't do it. He walked up on this and he said, I'm going to get down. And I'm going to take all of my things, all of my stuff of the day. Scripture says, what did it say? It said he had wine, said that he had all the, oil, all the things that he needed. He said, I'm going to take all of the things of my life and I'm going to come down and I'm going to get in this story, not with judgment and critique. Are you with me today? Far too often the church isn't responding with care. We're responding with critique. Well, look at that. Look what you did. I bet you did something in that. Are you with me today? We aren't here to criticize the world. We're here to help heal it. There are so many people that say, I'm standing up for truth. And you're going on your social medias and you're shouting things and you're saying, I'm standing up for the truth. And really what you're doing is standing on the people that you should be helping up. Standing on the necks of people that you really should be reaching out to and saying, hey, how can I get you up from this place? Are you with me today? Anyone can find the problem. Let's be somebody who finds the solution. People come to me all the time and they say, Pastor, I need a meeting with you. And, and, and I love their heart behind this. There's nothing wrong with this. But they come and they sit down and they say, Pastor, this is going on. And did you know this? And this is happening. They're trying to do this. And this is happening. They're telling me all of the problems. And I'm listening. I listen. And I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I say, and then what? Well, I don't know. I just wanted you to know. And I'm like, well, I want you to go be the solution. Are you with me today? Anybody can point out their problems. We all see the things that are going wrong. What if we pray bold enough prayers to be like, God, I see that you've given me eyes to see all of these things. Help me be a part of the solution. Renew my heart so I can come stand alongside the hurting. Are you with me? Point number two is this. People deserve our compassion. People deserve our compassion, no matter the situation, the condition. Um, Scripture says that he had pity on him. He had mercy for him. He had compassion for him. Now, if I'm being honesty, honest about my parenting, I don't do that when my kids get hurt. I don't have compassion for them most of the time. The reason it's most of the time is because the reason they got hurt is because they disobeyed the advice that I just gave them. Don't do, don't do that. Don't put that there. If you guys start playing with that like that, if you start jumping off that, don't climb on that. If you climb up that, you're going to, and then boom, they hit the ground and they're screaming and crying. And I come over with mercy and compassion. And I say, psych, 
I'm like, don't do that, don't do that. And then they get hurt, and I'm like, yup, told you, stupid. I said, don't put it up there, you idiot. This is exactly what I said was going to happen. Show me it. Show me what happened. Yeah, that's going to look terrible tomorrow. You know what? That's going to hurt even worse tomorrow. And I just am like railing them. I just, no compassion. You think I'm kidding? Ask my wife. I'm like, I told you. I told you if you didn't listen, this is what's going to happen to you. I wish you didn't have the decision-making skills from your mom's side of the family. I wish you had it from the... (laughs) It's fine. My mother-in-law's not here. Oh, wait. There she is. That's not what he did. He didn't show up on the scene. Like, what'd you do to get here? I'll bet you deserve this. We've been telling you, you should have listened to Christians a long time ago. Look at this life you made for it. And this is what the church does to the world. See, this is what you get. We told you you should be in church. We told you you should be saving yourself before marriage. We told you you should be doing all this stuff. Now that's what you get. That's what the church has been doing. And then we can't figure out why when people get hurt, they don't want to run to the church. Which, by the way, I'm going to speak on hurt next week, so don't miss it. Whether you're going through hurt or, you know, somebody who's gone through hurt, God doesn't want you to stay in hurt. He wants you to find that wholeness, that healing. So that's next week. But we can't handle it like I handle it. We, we can't say back to the world the way that we do it with, with, our, with, with what I do with my kids. We've got to say, look, hey, you messed up, but guess what? I know the God of restoration. I know the God of turnaround. I know the one who can take this from here and move it to here. Are you with me today? That's why the scripture says that we are called to pray for those who oppose us. It doesn't promise that those who are opposing us are going to change. When we pray for those who oppose us, it actually gives our hearts compassion for those who are opposing us. And so when we pray, God, I just, this situation and those people and this agenda, God, I pray these people in government and this kind of thing, it gives us compassion for those. Are you with me? When we pray, it makes deposits of compassion. I would say it this way, where there's lack of compassion in your life, there's probably a lack of prayer in that area. Matthew chapter nine, verse 35 says, when Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So he's going through, he's doing all this. But then this is separate from that. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. I'm gonna say it to you like this. He was hurting because he saw people who had no helpers. Think about that. He's doing all these signs, wonders, miraculous, proclaiming the kingdom, but then compassion rose in him when he saw people hurting with no helpers. What was his prayer? His prayer would be the topic of this sermon. God, I pray that every person has a renewed heart toward the hurting, toward the lost. Are you with me today? So we see here in this passage, the first person to walk along the street is the priest. The priest is walking along the street, the pastor, if you will. Why the pastor couldn't help, I don't know, because as you know, pastors only work one day a week, so I don't know why he didn't have time for this. But then the second person we see walking along the street was a Christian leader, a Levite. This would have been like a staff member of a church. It's obvious to know why a Levite would not be have time to help, because a Levite, a church staff person, is completely overwhelmed and way too busy with all the planning center declines they get in a week. 
decline, decline, decline. Which would be really weird because there should be zero declines if everyone's doing their blockout days properly. Nervous laughter is fine. People come to me and they say, staff comes to me and they're like, hey, we got some declines. And I say, well, we must have been hacked because it's impossible for us to have declines because surely everybody's a good steward of their time and does all their blockout dates properly, right? Somebody asked me one time and they were like, uh, hey, uh, we were actually in a staff meeting and Doug's like, no, I think our church can do it. Doug is like, I think our church can do this. We can go a month without a decline. Everybody can get their blockout dates in on time. And I was like, okay, you want to make a bet about that? He's like, yeah, I'll make a bet about that. He's like, I won't cut my hair <laughs> until we go a month without, I'll cut it, finally cut it once we get one with no declines. And you see the result of that. <laughs> you see the result of that. I mean, right now, and I'm fine with it. I think it's actually really great because we have like a live-in Rapunzel now in our, <laughs> and it's going really good because... I'm excited about that because now, because our offices are actually right here on the second floor, and so when I get here now for work, instead of having to come through the main doors or go up the elevator or take the stairs, I can just stand below his office and yell, Douglas, let down your hair. <laughs> just climb right up and be up here. And uh, that's because you don't do your blockouts right. So save him. <laughs> save him. Uh, the Samaritan is the third person. That has nothing to do with my sermon. It was just for fun. Do your blackout dates. That's what I actually have to say. Your kingdom bucks are actually subtracted based on that. So we're like, oh, when I got to heaven, I thought I was going to have a mansion. I was like, yeah. The blackout dates took their cut. <laughs> All right, let's get back on. So the Samaritan. Samaritan is the third person walking on the road, right? And... Interesting with the Samaritan that he's the one who moved aside because the Samaritan would have been in a race war with the different people. There was all sorts of going on, stuff going on with different people marrying different people. And it was just this really tumultuous, tenacious time with Samaritans. Can't get into the whole thing, but would have been very risky for him to be the one. He was kind of the least of the least for him to be the one to come down and respond would have been kind of the craziest of all the scenarios for him to step in. But the Samaritan was like, you know what? When someone's hurting, I look past all of what culture says it should be. Let me say that again. When someone's hurting, I look past all of what culture says it should be. Well, you can't say that. You can't do that. And you say, no, 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 no. Someone's hurting here. And I'm going to run through the fence with God's truth. Are you with me? I'll close with this. The third point is this. People deserve our long-term care. People deserve our long-term care. Scripture says this, that he bandaged his wounds. Took the time, came down the side of the road, bandaged his wounds. Poured in wine, poured in oil. Took this time to clean him and do all these things. The scripture says he took the man and put him on his own donkey. So he's bloody, dirty, oil, wine. All of these things are on this guy who's been left for dead, we see. Scripture says he puts him on his donkey. Now remember, there is no quality car wash for the donkey. You can't put him on the conveyor and get him cleaned up. So he's, he's making a mess of his transportation. Scripture says that this was a two-day process, at least that we know of from this passage. Because remember, he said the next day, he gave two denarii, which in his time would have been about two weeks worth of wages or two months worth of medical care. And he said, and I'll cover him even beyond that. 
So it cost this man something. He was giving long-term care to him. It's so much better than what the church normally does when someone's hurting. We give it the little praying for you, Lord's will. Now this guy was like, I'm not going anywhere. Until you're back on your feet, whatever it costs, I'll come back and make sure it happens. It was long-term care for the hurting. Can I tell you something? In our country and in our world and in the hour, (laughs) and what our teenagers face, and what's happening in our schools, in our colleges, and what's on the internet and being fed to people, what's being prescribed as acceptable. The world needs some long-term care from the church that's not going to say, Lord's will, praying for you. No, more like, I got you. Whatever it's going to take. I love what David Livingstone says. He says, sympathy is no substitute for action. We go, oh, wow, look at that. That's so sad. Oh, that is such a terrible thing. So what? That doesn't scare the enemy. So what? But if you look at something and you go, my heart goes toward that. But then so do my feet. But then so do my hands. But then so do my time. And so does my bank account. That's when the enemy goes, "Uh uh-oh. Sympathy is a good thing. But if it doesn't call us to action, what does it matter? Are you with me? That's why James 4.17 says this. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. We can't be the people who walk by. God says, no, 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 that's not how you're called to do it. It's sin to us to see the hurting and not say, hey, hold up a second. I'm going to come alongside you and take care of you all that you need. That's why we do so many of the ministries that we do, Kids Hope. One hour every single week for the entire school year. You guys, somebody is going up to the school and sitting with a student, long-term care. Hey, we're here. And next year, we're going to be here. And as long as you're here, we're going to be here. We're going to be here. And then when you get a job, I'm going to awkwardly sit next to you. Are you just kidding? Long-term care, we're here for you. Hand to hand, what is that? It's not just handing out food. No, it's a team that says, hey, long-term care. We're gonna sit next to you and we're gonna, we're gonna make sure you have groceries on the weekend and we're gonna pray over them and we're gonna pack them and we're gonna deliver them no matter what the weather looks like. You got people coming up. And because why? Because God has called us to meet the need of the hurting. Are you with me? I love what the Good Samaritan did. He had this mindset of, I'm willing to be inconvenienced for the greater good of someone's restoration. I hope we wake up every day and say, okay, God, today I'm willing to be inconvenienced for the greater good of someone's restoration. I can't just walk on by. And then God gives us this amazing promise that if we're people that are willing to do long-term care, it ends up being really worth it. That's what Galatians 6, 9 says. Let us, do not, let us not become weary in doing good. It says, for at the proper time, we will reap the harvest if we what? Don't give up. Renew in our hearts a desire for hurting people, that we can stay with them, be alongside them, even in long-term care, so that we can see the harvest come into what God's called it to be. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for how you love us and lead us. Lord, I ask that you really do soften our hearts. Lord, to people who even 
very aggressively don't think the way we do and believe the way we do. God, I ask that you give us our boldness to be able to pray for them, grow our compassion for them. God, we don't want to stand on them when we're called to help them up. God, I pray that those that are hurting all around us, Lord, you give us the the eyes, the ears, the heart, the discernment to be able to come alongside them and give them the care that they need. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.